the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> a little horse this morning. I don't think it's COVID, but... Uh, just get cold. I've been sleeping next to a window. I got to stop doing that. That is brutal. <laughs> Wake up and uh, can barely talk. Anyway, yeah, like the guy said, feel free to call in today. This is uh, Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon, taking your financial questions. Uh, you know, we focus primarily on retirement planning, uh, retirement income planning, to be more specific. And that's our primary focus. And I'm very fond of saying you are never too young to start planning for retirement. Why? Because it takes a lot of dough to be able to walk away from your job. I mean, a lot. And it's one of the things that, uh, you know, I, I thought about actually when I was going to school. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know how many of you know, but uh, Division One athletes back in my day. We had to work with the team somewhere between 50 and 60 hours a week, depending on what it was, that, the, what the time of year was. We got six weeks off in the uh, winter, and then we got eight weeks off in the summer. Actually, I take that back. We got four weeks off in the winter for a winter break, and then we got six weeks off in the summer. The football players got six weeks off. Okay. So the rest of the time, they owned you. <laughs> you were theirs. <laughs> that old saying, you know, you're just another piece of meat. Well, that, that really started to mean something to me back then. And see, the thing was, I was like, you know, I don't want to have to work this hard my entire life. And um, so <laughs> I was paying attention. I uh, took a whole bunch of e economics and finance classes <clears throat> and was going, hmm. Now, how do I make enough money on my money to be able to support myself when I get too old to work one day? <clears throat> now, that's how you know somebody is really working a kid really hard because a kid who's not even 20 years old yet is thinking about that. <laughs> I can tell you most 20-year-olds I talk to, this is the furthest things from their minds. But then again, they didn't have to go through all that. So to each his own. And it is something that once you uh, realize just how much money it takes to be able to retire, yeah, it's a big deal. 
That's like a really big deal. And you should have a plan. You know, plans are helpful. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that unless you win the lottery, you know, then you're probably going to need a plan. Um, I don't know, maybe if you're a movie star or, you know, something like that, you could build a business. And people are asking me all the time, what's the best way to get rich? The best way to get rich is to build a business. That's the bottom line. Best way to get rich is to build a business. Now, the way to keep up with inflation most effectively, if you can't build your own business, you can invest in other businesses through funds. So that's the second best way to accumulate wealth. First best best way is absolutely positively build a business. Uh, I know that's awfully upsetting for a lot of people. I don't want to build a business. Yeah, well, me either. Um, unfortunately, that's not the route I chose. <laughs> it's too late now. The uh, and no, really, realistically, just the, it is the best way to build. You know, a lot of net worth, a lot of capital. How much do you need? Well, it depends on who you are, really, what part of the country you live in. That stuff's pretty difficult. I am writing a little micro book, by the way, on this topic. And I've read a whole bunch of really long books and where I thought that, you know, you could have actually said in about 500 words what they took 50,000. And, uh, and I know that some people like, you know, they love reading that kind of stuff, and that's fine. That's great. I don't. In fact, the only reason I, I went through school was because I felt like I needed to know. I wanted to know this kind of stuff. And in fact, I struggled in the easy class. Everybody else thought the other classes were easy, sociology. And I was like, oh, it was so boring. <laughs> I could barely make it through the class. But when it came to finance, when it came to economics, that was a lot of fun. And I was getting a lot of questions answered. So anyway, been kind of my mission, and we're going to focus on that more going forward, Being getting ready for retirement. What does it take? How do you prepare? Uh, there are so many different issues there. And I don't care if you're 22 years old. And every 22-year-old kid that I look at today, um, I look at a lot of them because, well, we'll go into that at a later time. They're uh, just family members, basically. In one ear, out the other. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. So evidently, They've never had to work up, show up on August 2nd when the school semester doesn't start until the middle of September and go through two a days or three a days. So, because if they had have done that, they probably would have been more interested in how can I avoid having to do that? <laughs> how can I avoid that really hard work? Because uh, like, there's no way you could do that for your entire life, first of all. But secondly, who wants to? So the, the bottom line is, you need to have some some relatively simple stuff. And it is kind of simple. I mean, you can make it as complicated as you want because this is America, by the way. We have 20% of the world's population of attorneys, a lot of, a lot of whom charge by the word <laughs> when they write a document or a letter. Not, no, that's not as popular as it used to be. But the, um, anyway, when you've got 20% of the world's population of attorneys and you have 5% of the world's population, they like to complicate stuff. They're not the only ones. Look at the uh, accounting stuff. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So the bottom line is you need to know some of that so that you can not get clocked. You know, you, you need to have some knowledge of a financial statement, like why sales are important. You know, that, that would be important. 
why you should have a profit margin, but only if you want a profitable business, only if you want to invest in a profitable business. A lot of businesses, share prices go up before they show a profit. That's enthusiasm. That's not profit margin. They're two different things. When profit margins push prices higher, that's a great thing. When enthusiasm pushes prices higher, well, that enthusiasm has a tendency to wane and then stock comes back down, sometimes hard, sometimes really fast. Why would you need to know that? Well, because you're probably going to have to invest in other people's businesses, in other words, stocks, to accumulate enough wealth to retire. So you're going to, you should probably know a little bit about it. You don't have to be an expert to be successful, by the way. You don't have to be even remotely close to expert level. Will it help? Probably. Yeah. Is it, does it make it off limits to anybody but an expert? Nope. And, and I'm telling you, I've already, uh, I've been, I've got lots of articles on this stuff and, uh, for 2021. We're going to start rolling them out. Just articles one at a time. Um, coming up to retirement, how much money do I need to live on? Well, that's called a budget. It's pretty simple. Add up all your bills. <laughs> Stuff that you absolutely have to pay and then try to figure out, just start tracking what you're spending for a few weeks. Uh, I just lost about half of you right there. <laughs> you start tracking what you're spending, figure out how much money you need for food and gas, you know, clothing, add it all together. And there you go. One thing I, I really never uh, liked about a lot of budgeting apps is they always tell you to put your taxes in there. And that is asking a lot to go through your W-2 and pull out, okay, here was what, here was the income I started with and here are all the taxes that I paid out. That's a lot. <laughs> I typically just look at the after-tax dollars and where they're being spent. So I'm taking a slight shortcut there uh, because I like it. And, uh, and it's, you know, effective. So my motto is don't add anything that's not absolutely necessary. I like, you know, you go into how I live. You know, it, people call it minimalists. I just called it Bill Bullington. <laughs> Don't have a lot of stuff. Uh, that way when you move, or if you do move, it doesn't take you very long. You're out. I mean, when I was in college, man, I lived in a suitcase. I literally had all my stuff in a suitcase except for the little television I had to carry around. <laughs> I even have my kitchen stuff in that suitcase because that suitcase was huge. <laughs> it wasn't a trunk. It was just a big suitcase. But I could be in somewhere in half an hour. I could be gone just as quickly. And I just got used to it. So that's the, uh, but everybody's a little bit different. I get it. You know, a lot of people like to have a lot of stuff. So first thing you got to do if you're going to do a good retirement plan is figure out how much money you need. <clears throat> how much money would you like to have today? Put it in today's dollars after tax. Let's put it in today's dollars after taxes. And for every 20 years, you can figure it at a 3.5% inflation rate or 45 somewhere in that neighborhood. Prices are going to pretty much double. So uh, it hasn't really worked that way in a lot of things over the past 20 years. The average interest rate's probably been about 3.5%, quarters if you really looked at it. Yeah, but that really depends a lot on your age because as you get older, you start going to the doctor more and, and healthcare costs have gone up a lot faster than other costs. But that's, that's a lot of stuff. Don't worry about it. Just figure out how much money you'd like to have today, how much money you think you would need today 
to be able to live a, a lifestyle that you would find comfortable, one that you would like to have if you were retired. Once you get that number, you are halfway home. Yeah, the other half, which is actually the harder part, is figuring out, all right, how much do you need to generate that income? And by the way, how long are you going to, how long is it going to be before you actually are going to retire? What, what are you going to plan on? So let's say you give yourself, I don't know, 10 years. You're 10 years from retirement. 10 years from now, 3% inflation rate, prices are probably going to be a little bit over 40% higher than they are today at a 3% inflation rate. Why? Because there's compounding. So if you could get by, let's say it's, I don't know, 60,000. If you could get by, bare bones, 60,000, you thought, yeah, I, I think that would be okay. All right, 60,000 is 4% of what? Actually, what you're going to do is uh, take the 60,000, double that number because, you did I say 10 years or 20? Yeah, 10 years. No, don't double the number. Add about half to it. So you'll be at 90,000 to be the equivalent of 60,000. Yeah, that's actually, it needs to be about a third. That's about 18,000 on 60,000. So it's $78,000. Let's round it to 80. Okay. So 80,000. 80,000 10 years from now in income, I think I would be in good shape. All right. If you don't have Social Security and a pension, and you're going to do it all from your investments, okay, you wanted to generate $80,000. You would just multiply that by 20 or divide it by five. You're going to get the same number. So if you're going to take out 5%, which is pretty difficult to do, by the way, that's actually, you have to be pretty aggressive. You have to use one of those nationwide type products that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show. But say you took out 5%, you know, so uh, 80,000 equals 5% of what? What's well, 8 times 5? Actually, it's not 8 times 5. You're going to multiply it by 20. So it would be, uh, uh, my mind is going on me, $1.6 million. $1.6 million, taking out 5%, you'd have $80,000, roughly, which would be the equivalent of 60000 in today's dollars, if you're going to give it 10 years from now. Now, I'm sure I've just lost everybody that's driving, and probably most people that are listening, don't worry about it. If you really want to get those numbers again, just go to my uh, website and download the uh, this show as a podcast. And go through it in your head. Uh, it it take, literally takes me a few minutes to do the calculations because because I've done them for so long, and it, that's what I and I, this is what I was talking about. So I want eighty thousand dollars ten years from now. I'm going to pull out five percent a year, which is aggressive, incidentally. So I'm going to pull out five percent a year. If, if you're going to be more conservative, by the way, you're going to have to have more than one point six million. One point six million at five percent is eighty thousand. That's the bad news. The good news is you got 10 years. The, the better news is that this is where Social Security and any pensions that you might have start to come into play, and they will reduce that number significantly. Significantly. But, bottom line, you got to have about a million bucks you know, 10 years from now to have a, a reasonable lifestyle. That's the really bad news. The really good news, again, is that you got 10 years. So take whatever you're doing and start to look at it. If you have questions with this stuff, give me a call. This is what we do. And uh, we'll take a look at it. That was the right the reason I was using 5% is there's a, a product out there. If somebody was in their mid-60s, and that would be what I would be assuming, 
the, the distribution rate. Now, that is not an interest rate. Let me say that again. People are uh, um, getting this wrong mainly because it is kind of complicated. I get it. That's why I want to take some time and start to explain it. And I've only got about two minutes before commercial break. So we'll, we'll come back to this topic again after that break. But there's a thing. When you buy an annuity for income, okay, there's a thing called a distribution rate. The distribution rate is the amount of income that you get for a year. One year, let's say it's, I don't know, $10,000. And if you had put, if you had invested 200,000 and they're going to give you 10,000, that's a distribution rate of 5%. 10,000 is 5% of 200,000. See how that works? So you take the amount of income that you're getting that's going to be generated. They're going to send to you deposits, you know, right into your checking account. And you divide that number by the amount that you've invested. That will give you the distribution rate. That is not the interest rate. Interest rate's another whole animal. Because when you take an income like that, especially today, if somebody were paying 5%, it's because it's an annuity. Because there are no 5% CDs. Now, you might find one in Russia. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure Putin would sell you one. <laughs> but the uh, good luck trying to collect. Yeah. CD rates are so low. These are That's why this is so popular. And it is a big deal right now. It's a big deal. All the debt that we've got out there, they're increasing the debt levels. Interest rates are probably not going up anytime soon. Powell even said so. He said for the foreseeable future, interest rates were going to remain this low. What do you do? Well, you can actually sign up through a program that we'll talk about when we come back from these commercial messages. We call them fixed indexed annuities. And you'll listen to Bill Bullington. I'll be right back. On the far side of the sky, the first thing that I'm going to do is spread my wings and fly. And we're back. So, we're just talking about <clears throat> a distribution rate. And what I thought I would do, because this is going to be such an important part of most people's lives going forward on a financial basis. I'm telling you, 401k plans across the country are starting to add annuity options as one of their choices. It's a big deal. Why? Because an insurance company can spread the risk out over a large pool of, of lives, basically. They have ideas about how much they can afford to pay out based on what you paid them. And the law of large numbers works in their favor. The other thing they have in their favor is that their corporation, corporations don't have life expectancies. Corporations go on for, you know, forever, hopefully especially if they're managed well. So individuals, you know, I run into this all the time. They, there's a risk, a huge risk that a lot of people are facing. When you're, when you're within 10 years of retirement, the risk is, is timing risk. Let's say it's 
February of the year 2000. The S&P 500 has had, had an average annual return for the past five years of close to 30% a year. You got to be thinking you're rich. You got to be thinking you're as rich as Trump thinks he is. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. You have to be, <laughs> you have to be really enthusiastic at that point. Right before the market peaks in March of, of 2000, goes down over 50%. And it took three years, by the way, for that to complete. That whole cycle was a three year down cycle. It's down over 50%. And then when it does finally get back slightly above where it had been in March of 2000, by November of 2007, it goes down 50% again, twice. So when you're within 10 years of retirement, you cannot afford that. Yeah, you look at the really long-term returns of the stock market. They're great. Or, or actually, not just the, not the stock market, but the S&P 500. The S&P 500, incidentally, is not the stock market. That's a, um, a point I was on a call the other day with people from Fidelity, and they you know, were talking about that. You know, The S&P 500 is not the stock market. They keep trying to... <laughs> trying to put that out there. I'm like, I'm there. I'm there with you guys. I know exactly what you're talking about. Everybody thinks, oh, all stocks went up. No, 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 no. The S&P 500 went up. The top 50 stocks make up half. That means the other 450 are only making up half. Does that sound like the whole market, a well-balanced approach? Heck no. That's an aggressive growth model. It's aggressive. That's why it went down 50% twice. Because it was aggressive. It's still aggressive. It's an aggressive model. If you look at the long-term results, they're good. But if you happen to retire in March of 2000, I mean, you're probably working, you know, in your 80s. Who wants to do that? I, well, I do. I want to be able to. But I don't want to have to. You know, I'm going to go look. I literally want to work at Lowe's. When I'm get. When I reach my retirement income or the asset levels, which my kids and grandkids are really trying to see is not going to happen. <laughs> when I hit that number anyway, you'll know because you can come into your friendly low star, uh, local low star. You might see me there. So that's, that's my dream to be able to afford to work at Lowe's. <laughs> anyway, so we're, these, these products are very, very helpful. Extremely helpful. So I'm just going to give you an example right here. So I picked someone who had half a million bucks. Okay. Half a million dollars. They want to see how much income they can get. And so they're 66 years old. They're going to take Social Security next year, full Social Security. And they need to know how much their half a million dollars can get them. And right now, let's see. On this one, you have to wait one year, by the way. Oops, you have to wait one year before you're allowed to take the income. And the income is $29,600. Okay, so 20, oops. Okay, so the distribution rate, that's what we were talking about. If you took the $29,600, that's actually about 5.9%. I think someone's trying to call too. And if you'd like to call, the number is... Um, Oh, I don't have the uh, my screen turned on. Sorry about that. 
I got to take it this call right away. By the way, if you'd like to call today, the number is 216-901-0945. And Pat, oop, I dropped the call. Sorry, Pat, if you'd like to call back, <laughs> 216-901-0945. So anyway, back to what I was uh, talking about. So you started with 500000 A year from now, they're going to give you um, $29,600. Okay. Now, if you want this information, by the way, just email me. Go to my website. There's a contact us form. But please write into the the memo what you would like to see, if it was this topic or if it was another topic, because oftentimes people will say uh, they'll fill out all the information but forget to put their question. And uh, so if you could put the question, that would be great. And uh, we'll come back to that. I'm going to go try to pick up Pat again. Pat, is this the same Pat that I just hung up on? Yes, it is. Sorry about that. I called back. No, that's all right. Hey, I'm a uh, territory director at Lowe's, so if you ever need a job when you retire, give me a call. Oh, sweet. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. you, you, you'd, be, you'd be good in the um, popular lumber department. Okay. Yep. The, uh, I carried but a lot now, of lumber in my day. No, then you'd be great. Um, question. Um, IPOs. Um, you saw Airbnb go crazy. Uh, two questions. Um, one, how do, is there a way to get in on these uh, as an individual investor? And number two, is there a way to get in it with a retirement plan? So that's kind of my question. Um, okay. To get shares, you're probably not going to get many, uh, especially in something that's uh, considered hot. You know, if, if there's a lot of interest in it, an individual investor is going to have a tough time getting shares because you're competing with all the mutual funds that are out there and all the hedge funds. And okay. if you are able to get it, that's probably not that good of a sign <laughs> because that means the uh, demand is not that, that strong. So most of the time you end up having to wait until they start trading and then you can buy them. And I would always uh, kind of wait anyway. And what I'm going to do, my the very first time I'm able to rent out a facility and, and do a uh, uh, a meeting again, the, uh, I'm going to show everybody, there's a thing called the price to sales ratio. And it's very similar to price per square yard in carpet or price per square foot, whatever you want to use. Uh, the more expensive, actually it's more like price per square foot in real estate. That, that's really what it's closest to. If, if you wanted to know whether or not you were overpaying for a house, you would look at the houses, the other houses that were similar to your own and what they've sold for. And then you could take the, what they've sold for, divide the number of square footage in that house by that price. And that would give you a price per square foot. Does that make sense? Yeah, like yeah. the averages are they're all over the map. It depends on the neighborhood. So if let's say you were looking at a neighborhood and the average price per square foot was 140 bucks, okay. Mm-hmm. So if a house was selling for 280 dollars per square foot, you'd want to know why. Why is why are they charging twice what all the other houses are are going for around here? And there may be a good reason for it. There may not. Now, if that 140 dollars a square foot home uh, also showed up. As a hundred dollars per square foot, because somebody who lived there passed away suddenly and didn't have any heirs or beneficiaries, and it was being sold, you know, by the state. Well, that that's probably a good, you know, that's a good reason for the price to be down that way, and uh, you probably have a good buy. It's the same thing with stocks. You look at price to sales ratios. The price to sales ratio, the correct price to sales ratio, is going to depend on how profitable the company is. 
And uh, it'll give you a way of ballparking that. And we're definitely going to do that as an exercise at the next workshop because that's how you could tell whether a an IPO is any good or not. You can look up, they have to publish their financial statements when they go public. You can look at how many shares they're going to offer, how many shares are going to have outstanding. You could do the price to sales ratio calculation. And when you get really good at it, when you get fast at it, it's going to take you about 10 seconds. It's very, you're going to be very frustrating, by the way, to all of your friends who want to tell you this exciting story about this new company coming public. And, and in 10 seconds, you're going, you know, I'm not really interested. <laughs> and so, uh, it's a good party killer, too. <laughs> so so with Airbnb, um, were you able to get any share? I mean, are you able to get, I mean, Heck no. you just have to. And I, oh, wouldn't, okay. I, I wouldn't even try. The, let me, uh, oh, okay. I, I'll, you know, during my next commercial break, I'll look that up. And uh, see what the market cap was on that and how much in revenue they had. We can do that price to sales ratio thing. There's a really, yeah. really, really good chance that it wasn't a bargain. That's without even looking at the numbers, just looking at the oh, amount okay. of excitement over it. There's a real good chance that it's not a bargain. See, the people that are, are making the most money on this are the people that funded that company when it was yeah. just a startup. You know, they're the ones that are cashing in. And a lot of people that work there that had stock options, they're cashing in. Uh, well, so to, to the initial public offer, the, the price that they say, and then they say doubles, I mean, is that the initial offering is not the price? Right. It, well, if you had shares, if you were able to get the shares before they actually um, started trading, that would be the price that you would have gotten them at, at the price that they had determined that they were going to go public at. So, okay. and if it opened up 100% higher than what you had already had your orders in for shares and, and the shares were done, then yeah, you would, you would make a, a boatload of money on that. The, uh, by the way, most okay. of the insiders and all that, they have restricted shares. They're not even allowed to sell it right away. So, um, yeah, I've, I've seen that stuff happen a lot and it has been decades since I got an allocation to a a publicly traded company that I thought was pretty good. So okay. I just stopped asking. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll so, just wait. So, so, I mean, you're a registered broker dealer and you still don't get in on these gravy deals. I'm a registered investment advisor. Uh, as representative. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's incredibly oh, okay. difficult. If you had a, uh, if you had a couple billion dollars and, and were known to buy and sell a lot of stocks, you'd get shares. You could oh, get okay. shares of that. But the, Typically, the okay. smaller people don't really get a lot. Okay, great. Okay, well, thanks a lot. Appreciate All right, well, thanks, Pat. Have a good weekend. All right, you too. Bye. Yep. Yeah, that that's really hard to do, by the way, to get shares in a uh, company that's gone public that isn't overpriced. And like I said during the next commercial break, I, I will look that up. The uh, was did he say that was Airbnb? Yeah. Okay, I will look that up. And we were talking about. Uh, distribution rates. What is a distribution rate? See, this is one of the things I think I'm going to do for the next, not, I don't think I, I'm actually going to do it. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to bring some of this to the general public in a way that they can understand. Like when I was talking about uh, the distribution rate, if you had invested 500,000 bucks and they're going to give you $29,600 a year, that's actually 5.9%. Now you have to wait one year for that. So that, that's not in a rate of return. That's a, called a distribution rate. A rate of return is different. 
because you had to wait a year to get it, there's so much there. It's more complicated the calculation. But here's my point: so you put five hundred thousand dollars in a in a CD that's paying one percent. And by the way, most of them aren't paying one percent right now. Okay, instead of twenty nine thousand six hundred a year from now that you're going to be getting. By the way, you could set that up to do monthly payments. One percent on five hundred thousand is five thousand bucks. You see my point? Five thousand, twenty nine thousand. I don't know, <laughs> but there, it's not a CD and making a comparison to a CD is not really even fair. The only reason I do that is the the vast majority of the public has never had to take a class in finance ever. You can go through college, no finance classes, especially if you're a sociology major or psychology or biology. You know, there's all kinds of majors. You don't have to take, there are a lot of, computer courses uh, or degrees you take without having to take a class in finance. So it's just not, you know, it's not out there. And everybody expects in in the financial industries, they expect you to know what they're talking about. And I mean, what are you kidding? Yeah. They obviously don't interact directly with the public too often. And so it's hard, but, and I'm not complaining because it actually creates employment for people like myself. Try to come in and explain it. So that what we just talked about, that's called a distribution rate. Now, the way that uh, there are tons of different annuities out there, this one will guarantee that interest rate. The guarantee is only as good as the underlying company that's making the guarantee. That's a big deal. I don't like to deal with uh, lower rated companies. I want to, you know, I'm entrusting a big chunk of money to a company. I want to make sure that I've done everything I can to make sure that that company is a good, solid company. Because they're the ones making the guarantee. That is the nice thing about a CD. You can get a guarantee from a bank and a federal institution backing it up. You can get guarantees from the federal government if you buy government bonds. Those are really good guarantees. Um, They don't pay very much. They don't pay much at all. Chances of them going higher anytime real soon are pretty remote. And uh, so anyway, this is... All these fixed index annuities, they all have extremely close similarities. Some of them, they have minor differences. Oftentimes it's just, you know, marketing. But the basics are the basics, and that's what you really want to focus on. What's the most important thing here? Well, how much am I going to give you, and how much are you going to give me back? That's kind of a key. I heard the music. I can't believe I have to take another commercial break already. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned because I'll be right back. Just thought I would invite anybody to call 216-901-0945. And I did want to talk about Airbnb because the caller was so kind to ask about it. So I looked it up, and according to the service I use called YCharts, um, they're not a sponsor, by the way. They, I need to fix that. <laughs> Just kidding. 
They have a market cap of $149.8 billion, so let's just call it $150 billion. Okay, that's the value of their stock, okay, not, not the debt, but just, just the stock. So the market cap is, call it $150 billion, and the revenue over the past 12 months, I just had this up here, hang on a second. Yeah. So the revenue over the past 12 months was 4.8 billion. Okay, so let's let's just round that up to 5. So if we say it was 5 billion cuz a billion the the revenue's been going up a lot. You could pay 150 billion dollars for a company that had 5 billion in sales and no profit. That's a little high for me. That is incredibly high. I mean, that is just mind-boggling. So yeah, I would wait on that one. Uh, is it a good company? Probably. I know the growth has been very large in, in total revenues. And it looks like they're still not profitable yet. Um, so that's extremely high risk. Okay, so it's extremely high risk. And by the way, I looked up the trading. It, it, it opened, looks like it opened on Thursday. The opening price... Looked like it opened at 146, got as high as 165, and then went down in to 141. And the last price was actually 144.77. So it, it actually closed slightly lower than it opened after going way up, coming way down, and it bounced. And then on Friday, it opened at 146, got to 151, got as low as 135, and closed at 139. So it closed down uh, from the opening price two days in a row. That's because of that price to sales ratio thing. Now, if you are a client, you want to talk about that, I'll be glad to uh, to talk about it with you. It's just a way of determining really quickly just how much risk you're actually taking. And uh, very helpful if you're going to you know, handle individual stocks. If not, it's still helpful because you can look at funds that you own and you can apply that to the top 10 holdings in the funds. And if the if all the top stocks in your fund are overpriced, I would probably cut back on that fund. <laughs> That's kind of what we do. We keep track of that stuff and watch it, monitor it, make adjustments. It's not that hard. Well, it's not that hard if you've been doing it for a long time. Anyway, and it is frustrating, by the way. Investing is horribly frustrating. It just, you know, it's just part of the, Part of the practice, I guess. And talk to anybody that's been in the market for a long time period. Stocks fluctuate a lot, like a lot. Stocks that you think would think would be conservative stocks fluctuate a lot. And that's always a shock to an awful lot of people who haven't watched it really closely. So if you're young, just you know, buckle up because that, it's going to be a bumpy ride. And that's why these fixed index annuities, which I'm going to come back to right now because I said I would. That's why they're so important. When you get to a certain point, a time in your life, and you want to start taking income from your investments, yeah, you can draw money out of a stock fund, and we do it all the time. But when you see that stock fund fluctuating like crazy, and you're taking money out of out of it every month, that's a little stressful. It can be a lot stressful. You still need some of that because you're going to have to have growth, even in your in your sixties there's a really good chance that if you made it to 65, that you're going to make it to 85. The odds are probably, they're in your favor. 
And that's a, that's a long time period. So you're going to have to have some growth so you have some money in stocks. But when you get closer, you probably want to start taking a, a bigger, better look at this. And incidentally, I was talking about this the other day with someone. You know, the distribution rate on this, the distribution rate's pretty good. It's really, really tough to match. I mean, can you match it? Sure. Easily? No. <laughs> you will you are going to suffer <laughs> psychologically to match the return that these guys are willing to give. Why? Because nationwide's a corporation, all these other, anybody that has the fixed index annuities, they're corporations. They're not going away over the next 10 years. They don't have a 20 year life expectancy. They have, as long as they keep mining their P's and Q's, they can stay in business for hundreds of years. There are insurance companies that are older than America is. Do you realize that? There are insurance companies older than America. There are a lot of banks older than America. So no, banks and insurance companies, by the way, used to like coexist and uh, had kind of learned from one another. But that's another story for another show. Anyway, so the, the one thing you don't want to confuse, by the way, is the distribution rate. That distribution rate is what the underlying company is going to uh, pay out on the money that you've invested. Okay, that's called a distribution rate. Not, it's not like a rate of return on a CD. They are totally different. Okay. Um, these typically, when you are, when they're going to guarantee an income that's as high as that, or any company that guarantees an income that that's two or three percent above a CD, there has to be uh, some catches to that. And the catches are that you can't get out of it without paying a penalty if you want to get out of it early. Most of the penalties, some of them you can, but the, the more liquid they are, the lower they, they pay is, uh, is going to be. So the more liquid, the more your, uh, um, the lower your income is going to be. Like Nationwide has come up with an, another new product and it's a pretty good one for younger people. It has a lower, um, guaranteed rate because they're, they're offering it to younger people. The risk with younger people is that you live a really long time. So they can't afford to, to ensure a really high rate of return. And, uh, but still substantially higher than CDs are. So that's, that's another topic. I'll probably talk about that one next week. I just want to kind of finish up here. The uh, distribution rate is something that's very important. What's the distribution rate? That is not the, the rate of return. That's not the interest rate. It's how much am I getting relative to how much I invested? That's called the distribution rate. Now, whether or not when you die, the principal that's left over goes to a beneficiary or not, that's going to be specific to each company and each contract. You have to look that up. You need to be aware of that too. If I put 500,000 bucks in something, I got hit by a bus, you know, a month later after, or let's say two years later. And I had taken out, say, I don't know, 50,000 bucks. Okay. The account value may actually be a lot lower than that because investments may not have performed that well, but these things have guarantees on them that will guarantee return of premium. That Now, that is very specific to the product. That is not a generic benefit that you get from any company. But with the good ones that are out there, that's one of the benefits that you would get. And boy, I just opened a Big can of worms, and I only have a few minutes left. That when I talk about that return uh, premium guarantee, that that's another one that uh, confuses people. Oh, you mean I get the return? They'll give me all my money back? No, you're dead. 
You will not be getting anything ever again. It's your beneficiaries. Yeah, so, you know, we're going to go through these step by step, point by point. This is a big deal. Why am I spending this much time on it? I'm spending this much time because it's a viable alternative to regular fixed income investing, bonds and CDs, which are not paying enough that will allow you to, to live on the interest unless you got a billion dollars. If you had a hundred million and you got one percent or you got a half a percent, that's 500,000 a year that you could probably live on that. But the, so if you win the lottery, great. Yeah, but if, if you got a million dollars and you're looking at half a percent, that, that's not a whole lot of dough. That's 5,000 bucks a year on a million dollars. Okay. So if you're looking at 1%, percent it'd be 100,000. I'm sorry, 10,000. 100,000 bucks, you'd have to have, what would be that be? About 100 million bucks? Yeah, to, to get, yeah, right. So who's going to do that? That's what I'm talking about. There's... There are several companies, multiple companies. There are lots of companies out there uh, that are doing this sort of thing. And it is, it's just so important now because, you know, so many people, the fastest growing segment of the population is 60 and over every day, every day, 10,000 people turn 60, 10,000 people. You can't afford the risk of putting hundred percent of the money in the stock market. That, that's crazy. Why would you want to do that? Now you're going to need some of it there. You will need, because I can tell you this. Inflation will not retire when you do. That ain't happening. Inflation's still going to be there. You're still going to have to figure out a way to try to uh, combat that. So you you still need money in stocks. You still need stock funds. You need to manage them reasonably well. And at this at that point, I think I'd be looking more at at the capital preservation type strategies. Maybe add a small amount of of individual sectors if you want to do that that's what we like to do and we will talk about all that stuff again next week and you can feel free to call me reach out go to my website bullingtoncapital.com i'd be glad to talk to you about this this is all i do by the way the uh all day every day (laughs) i uh wake up at night thinking about it so anyway now that i hear the music that hour went fast this is bill bullington i'm here every saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420 you can also find me on my website BullingtonCapital.com. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.